Um, let's let's begin. No, 27. Oh my God. Okay. So if you if you still want three minutes of peace, then I can I, I, can, I can wait till then. Um, uh, so first things I'm uh, going to say. Well, first of all, welcome everybody, and thank you all for coming. Uh, some of you from uh, very very far away. Um, uh, so I'm got you, glad you all arrived here in one piece. Um, secondly, of course, also thank you to the Templeton Foundation who's paying for it all. Um, so I first of all wanted to tell you a little bit about uh, practical arrangements and I'll talk a little bit about the, the, the background of the event and then I also say something a little bit more substantial, I hope. Um, so first of all, uh, I think you've probably all uh, met Chris yesterday night, so he's, he's helped me a lot and he continues to help me organize this all, so if there are any organizational issues during the workshop, you feel please feel free either to talk to me or talk to him. Hmm? Um, secondly, just briefly uh, talking you through the structure of the event, you all have a schedule, if you don't have one, I've, I've got more paper copies I can give to you in a minute. Um, so we'll have um, uh, the um, a tea break in the morning and in the afternoon on both of those two days. The, that's going to happen there, so at some point in time the tea and the coffee is going to be miraculously appearing there. Um, then there'll be lunches today and tomorrow in the Gerbot room, the same room where we had dinner last night, so there will just be buffet lunches of the, um, um, of the same nature. Tonight we'll have dinner at a restaurant which is very close to your hotel, so we'll, we'll all be able to walk there. Um, and tomorrow night uh, we'll have dinner in college, also in the Gerbert room, but that'll be, that'll be a slightly more formal arrangement. Um, yeah, then tomorrow night you'll be aware there is what, what, what is called the final public event, which is the only part of this workshop where there actually is going to be an audience. Uh, you won't be surprised that it won't be hundreds and hundreds of people coming to this, but there'll, there'll be some. Um, it'll also be happening in here, though we'll change the layout a little bit, so that'll look, look theatre style then with, with, um, uh, with seats rather than boardroom set up here. And I've asked a couple of you to give a brief abstract of what they're going to be saying here um, at the beginning of that event. Uh, this is really just to, you know, take some parts of what you've been talking about so we have some sort of basis for the following Q&A. And of course, I, I, I would be ha very happy if all of you and are happy to, uh, to join in with the Q&A with questions that, that people may, may have who are, who are coming to that. So that'll be, that'll be 5 to 6.30 um, tomorrow afternoon. That'll be the last speaking event of the conference and after that we're just going to have dinner. Um, Okay, so then a little bit about the, the, the rest of the framework here. I, I try to um, shamelessly copy some uh, uh, parts of uh, a Madhyamika event a couple of years ago, which I liked very much with all that, the, the Smith event uh, uh, and the exchange of fires between you and, uh, and uh, who was the other one, Huntington? Yeah, Sani, yeah. Um, so what we, are, what we are going to do is um, we'll have... Um, video recordings of the individual presentations and those are going to be made available via website um, afterwards so that uh, has the uh, welcome consequences that I don't have to edit an edited book with all the papers and you don't have to write the papers. Um, so um, uh, we, we thought that would be a good way of distributing it. Um, 
uh, it requires, however, that when you give, give the talks, you'll have to be cabled up like me. So just make sure that you remember to, to get the microphone before you start speaking. Um, uh, after after the, um, the presentations, we'll have this roundtable discussion, which we won't be filming, um, just to, to make sure we can have more informal arrangements. We'll make sort of uh, informal audio recordings of that, but this is just for us, because uh, we're going to do a little write-up of what happened at the workshop, and this is not going to be, be for publication, so fe please feel free to say whatever you'd like to say. <laughs> um, um, yes, also, uh, what, what's going to happen with the, um, with the video recording, for those of you who are going to use slides or PowerPoint fi uh, slides, um, w uh, the, the recording company is going to do it in such a way that they're not going to, going to film the slides, but actually put the slides into the video so you can see them properly when they're displayed. That, for that, however, you have to hand over your, a copy of your PowerPoint slides to the team. Uh, they, they have a laptop with them today. I think so you can give them today or, or otherwise email them to me afterwards and I'll pass them on to them. If you don't want to uh, use PowerPoint, that's fine too. We'll just uh, um, um, switch that off and then you can just talk or you could use you know, the old-fashioned uh, uh, whiteboard then and, and write on that. Um, yes, okay, so doc for the documentation, there's going to be the set of videos on the website and we, we are going to do a write-up of the... Um, uh, of, of the discussion in a kind of um, paper-style format, and that's, that's going to be uh, published in some journal or other. So those will be the two main ways of d disseminating what's been happening at what's fundamentally an invitation-only workshop, in addition, of course, to the final event tomorrow afternoon, which is public. Um, final bit, you should probably all be clear about reimbursement issues. I, I think I've sent you a link to the form. What you need to do is fill in the form, and uh, send either, give either the receipts to me, or if you uh, want to, you can also send them by post afterwards to the our financial administrator. The address is also in the, in the email I sent you earlier. Can you scan PDF email? Yes, anything, anything is fine, electronic or, or, um, or paper copies, as long as it actually says what it's for. So pure credit card receipts won't work, but anything that says what it's spent for is okay. Yeah? Hmm? Now, I understand that the structure is that only a small amount of the money comes as reimbursement. Yes. And the rest comes as an honorarium. That's correct, yeah. So if, if I just send you my electronic flight itinerary, yeah. it'll be more than the reimbursement, and I don't need to worry about any of the other receipts. Precisely, precisely. So there is a, um, because of the, the, the Templeton account, accounting procedures, um, we can only have a very limited amount of the whole workshop budget for the travel costs. That would be about, I think, £250 per person. So, you, uh, so you basically, you only have to give us receipts up to that amount. The, f the remaining amount, which is the honorarium, you get no ma matter what. So that's, that's right. So if, you, if your travel accounts are actually over that, you just have to give us one item, basically. Yeah? Oh, okay. yeah? Can you yeah? give it to me directly? You can give it to me directly, or you can email it to me, or you can send it to our administrator, whatever is, is, is easiest for you. Yeah? Good. Okay. So um, now a little bit about you know what we <laughs> what we are doing here. <laughs> I hope um, so. This is uh, uh, um, and perhaps some 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 brief ideas and, and how why the Temple Foundation is funding this. Uh, so a couple of years they apparently decided that they also wanted to to move into uh, the interaction of philosophy and non-Christian Christian religions. And they had a had an, uh, call for invitations of interest, for applications, for projects involving Asian philosophy. And this is basically the result of one of these, one of these calls. 
uh, for, for various administrative reasons, it took a lot longer than um, to, to make that happen than we thought it would, but now, now we are finally there. So that is the, the background of this. Now, for the, actually for the contents and the topics, uh, topic of this workshop, um, uh, is, uh, I, I've, I've just read the, um, the uh, a methodological postscript to Jay's uh, uh, recent book, Engaging Buddhism, and uh, he talks about the, the, uh, the typical dilemma that uh, non-Western philosophy faces um, uh, when, when discussing with Western philosophers, and that, that dilemma is that either we would we'd say that, well, Indian or non-Western philosophy is just this doing the same stuff that um, Western philosophy is doing, in which case we might as well you know, stick to one tradition, or it's doing something different. If it is doing something different, it's probably, probably doing something which isn't quite philosophy, but mixed up in some weird way with religion. So we've, I think we've now moved past that dilemma, and I think we... we uh, there is, there is a clear consensus that there is uh, plenty of material of systematic interest in non-Western and particularly in the Indian tradition which uh, can help us to advance systematically debates within the Western context. So what I want to, uh, uh, what, I, what I thought about exploring further, and I, I hope that this workshop is going to be part of, of, of that exploration, is to determine to which extent we can turn that question around. And, um, uh, so so to, to which extent we would not so much be interested in saying what Indian philosophy can do for us as Western philosophers, but the other way around, what we can do for Indian philosophy. So, um, uh, and in fact, this is not as ahistorical as it sounds, because if you look specifically at uh, the development of Madhyamaka thought, we realize that Madhyamaka thinkers used a variety of uh, philosophical tools and techniques which, of course, developed over the times, and they weren't, they, that, that this not a it's not a static amount of te techniques they used, and for that reason, expositions of Madhyamaka arguments are very different is if you say, look at Nagarjuna, if you look at Bhavaveka, or you look at, look at Tsongkhapa, uh, very different parts of the history of ideas, very different uh, um, uh, sets of philosophical uh, assumptions they appeal to. And now, of course, over the last two millennia or so, Western philosophy has developed a variety of techniques and uh, tools, uh, many of which are unfamiliar, were unfamiliar to the, in the ancient Indian context. And um, so what um, um, the question I've been thinking about is the extent to which we can um, take into account the Madhyamaka philosophical agenda, even though I'm aware that there's a considerable discussion about what this agenda actually is, and uh, explore what kind of um, uh, philosophical tools that have been developed in the Western context can be used in order to explain, analyze, advance, or, or, or criticize this approach. So this is basically, in a nutshell, um, the, um, uh, the, the, the intellectual question that's driving this workshop. Okay, so this is, this is all from me for the kind of introductory material. Now I want to talk a little bit more substantial about three questions, I think, that are quite interesting in this context uh, in regarding the problem I've just raised. Um, and um, the first question is, is connected with anti-realism and the other two are connected with various uh, discussions in contemporary metaphysics specifically uh, that might think well, that we might think have some connection with Madhyamaka thoughts. So um, and I, I just want to talk briefly about those. 
um, first, first point is uh, moving anti-realism beyond the cookie-cutter account. Mm. Well, anti-realism is, of course, uh, a big heading, and there are lots, lots of different uh, uh, philosophical positions that we can, we can um, uh, classify under that. Um, what, uh, what a good way of starting is uh, Putnam's variety, or at least the time slice of Putnam's variety, and um, his famous argument about different ways of counting, um, where you've got, you know, say, so supposing you have, say, three, three coins on the, on, on the table, do you count three objects, or do you also count the individual meriological sums of the subsets of this as objects, and depending on how you count, you either have three objects on the table or seven. Now, one way of developing this argument is saying, well, if you, you have these different schemes of counting, and that implies that there is no fact of the matter how many coins there are on the table. So, um, and then you, then you try to generalize that argument and say that, well, in general, there is no description, independent uh, conception of facts, but only one that is uh, determined by the kind of conceptual framework we, we superimpose on that matter. Um, now, the difficulty with this, which is sometimes called the cookie-cutter account of anti-realism, because you use your conceptual framework like these cookie-cutters in order to cut up reality, is that you still need a notion of some sort of dough that's being cut there, and you'd better be realist about that dough. Um, uh, or to put it, put it in another way, if you want to have a, a phenomenal-numinal distinction, you need the noumenal in order to ground the phenomenal, and if you just have the phenomenal and not the noumenal, then uh, the phenomenal just becomes the real, and your kind of two-truth account uh, collapses into a one-truth account. Um, so that seems to be a problem for any conception of anti-realism that regards itself as being anti-realist all the way down, and it doesn't want to depend on some sort of uh, ultimately real dough that forms the basis of everything. Now, there's an, it's an interesting systematic question of how that position can be made, can be spelled out in detail. Um, one version is the Richard Rorty's variety, where you basically say that um, <coughs> every theory has to be regarded as a theoretical framework such that it works like a piece of fiction, such, all, such that all the terms are only defined in it. Um, and of course the question is, you know, what's the ontological status of that story? Well, you have to say that the, the elements that make up the story are elements in another story, and then you'll have an internet, infinite descent of stories within stories without any um, grounding story that, that keeps it all up. Um, whether that is a, a coherent picture is at least debatable. One difficulty about this Rortian story within stories account is pointed out by, by Bogosian. He, was, he, he argued that if you obviously have this infinite descent of, of, uh, of stories within stories, in order to understand any fact, you'll have to understand infinitely many facts, and uh, uh, human minds can only understand finitary facts. Now, well, I don't think that's a particularly good argument, but I uh, uh, um, just want to note that here for the record. So what is interesting, though, in the context of trying to understand what the Madhyamakas were doing and whether what they were doing is actually consistent, is trying to answer the question whether we can have this kind of anti-realist account without being in some way realist at the very bottom. So, um, and um, I think one, one way of, of answering at least part of this question um, uh, has been 
has been provided by Graham in his, uh, in his piece on the structure of emptiness, which also I was delighted to see makes, makes a re reappearance in your latest book, um, where fundamentally the idea is that you start with a set of objects and relations between them, and then you, uh, um, you find, find a way of uh, taking, all the, the taking all the individuals out or taking all the objects out by regarding them simply in terms of what relations relate them. So a little bit uh, like uh, regarding all the subway stations in a subway net, just in terms of intersections of the line, not in terms of little dots on the map. And then you just keep going with that process and then you, and then you, you replace the relations in terms of relations of relations and you replace those further on and then you just keep on going um, um, and uh, you have an, have an infinite structure such that at every following level, the previous level is given up. Um, now, the interesting thing about that construction is that you can, uh, uh, you can model it all in anti-founded set theory, and so you can show that that construction is actually consistent and doesn't have a, a contradiction lurking anywhere. So that is very interesting, and it connects um, uh, in an important way with um, uh, quite a tricky question within metaphysics, um, that, that is the question when an infinite regress or when a circle is vicious and when it is benign. We um, know various cases of circles and regresses which are unproblematic. However, there are also various which are not unproblematic. And um, given that um, both regresses and circles seem to be involved at crucial points within the Madhyamaka arguments, it's important to know which is which and how we tell the difference. Um, this whole issue connects... Um, uh, important Mariamica questions with a fairly current discussion within metaphysics, namely the discussion uh, about existential dependence and grounding and foundation. Because, uh, I mean, two questions that w we'd be really interested in, in, in finding out more about in this context is first of all, whether a radical metaphysical anti-foundationalism that says that it's dependence all the way down is a consistent position, that's the first question, and the second question, even if it is a consistent position, is it a position that is likely to be true? So we want to th think there are actually good arguments for thinking there are no metaphysical foundations. Okay, so that's, I think, the first area that is quite interesting in trying to see how we can use contemporary elements of the contemporary philosophical discussions in order to get some tractions on um, uh, fundamental Mariamaka questions. Um, the second two points I want to uh, look at before I stop talking are both uh, questions connected with uh, dis uh, discussions within contemporary uh, metaphysics and philosophy of science. Um, uh, I'm, I'll be looking sometimes at, at peculiar ways of connecting them up with each other to get something like a Madhyamaka con compatible conception out of it. Um, the first uh, basically takes its starting point from various forms of neo-Pythagoreanism. What I mean by that is uh, the conception that the world is fundamentally a mathematical object, so that there are no physical things, but everything reduces to mathematical objects. Now, there are various versions of that out there. There is a fairly, fairly mild version that goes already all the way back to Quine, when he gives this um, gives a theory that you, uh, uh, well, you reduce everything that exists in the world to physics and then everything that, every, uh, every talk about physics you can then replace by talk about uh, uh, space-time points that are occupied and that are empty. And every, uh, all, all that talk is, of course, just uh, talk about a, a coordinate system. You can replace it by talk about numbers and you reduce the numbers to sets. So in the end, all you need 
is um, uh, set theoretic torque, and then uh, if you then uh, also assume that um, you want to be you want to be reductionist about the the, the resources you appeal to, you just uh, say well all that we need in order to describe the world is set theory, and therefore all that exists is set theory. So that's a fairly fairly mild version of that of that claim. You also find um, uh, uh, find more radical versions, particularly. Uh, uh, one fairly recent one by uh, Max Tegmark, uh, who, who's basically arguing that there is not only the the the, the um, um, uh, multiverse of quantum physics, but there is a bigger multiverse on top of all of that, which uh, incorporates all the mathematical theories and, uh, in fact, all the uh, all the different multiverses are just parts of this bigger mathematical universe, and the mathematical universe is all there is. So everything is fundamentally. Uh, mathematical. So you, you can imagine why his physics colleagues apparently call him Mad Max. Um, okay, so that's, that's, that is one, one, uh, uh, one version of neo-Pythagoreanism. Well, it's interesting in this context because if you assume that everything is mathematical and you are also a structuralist about mathematics, then you immediately get the result that everything depends on everything else because all those mathematical entities um, will not be sitting on their own, but they exist in a, in a, in a set of relations. So uh, that, that result comes for free. Um, yeah? Oh, that's right. Okay, no, nothing. Well, there are no substances in this case. Sorry. Yeah, let me, let me be more precise. Even so, you're still huh? making motions front to all. Huh? Even so, you're still making motions front to all, aren't you? Well, if I. Um, sorry, wh what I want to say in this context is that if you have the structuralist context and say that all that exists is a sp particularly elaborate mathematical structure, then you won't have objects that are ontologically independent. Yeah? Okay, so. Thank you. Yeah, that is that's important to, to clarify that. Um, yeah. So I mean, if you if you also then, then connect up this uh, uh, neo-Pythagoreanism with a form of cognitivism about mathematical entities, which basically argues that mathematical entities are not Platonic entities, as these neo-Pythagoreanists usually think they are, but you think that they are somehow. Um, mental objects, then of course you'll end up with a circle in which mind reduces to matter, which then reduces to mathematics, and that is in turn uh, purely mental, so you'll end up at the, at the top level again. Um, <coughs> so that, that was the, the second point I wanted to mention. The, the final point um, uh, regards structuralism, quantification, and contextualism. This is also something I've been talking a lot about with Mark. Um, uh, this is uh, also connected with the issue of metaphysical met independence. Um, here we'd be looking at connecting up the, basically a structuralism within the philosophy of science. I'm primarily thinking here of the Ladyman Ross book, Everything Must Go, where you have the idea that um, uh, the world fundamentally doesn't consist of individuals, but of relations. So it's pattern all the way down and the, and the relations somehow bring into existence what appear to us as individuals. So you have, a, again, you have a world without substances uh, where relations are uh, for, from the, the ontological rock bottom. Um, then, depending on uh, uh, your views on quantification and semantics, you might want to say that uh, you have a um, uh, universe in which either everything depends on everything else or some things depend on other things in such a way that there are no substances. 
but that this itself cannot be regarded as an ultimate truth. Yeah? Um, why would you think that? Well, one reason you might think that is because you are squeamish about uh, quantifying about all objects and there are various, various debates within logic about whether uh, universal quantification about everything there is is actually coherent. If it is not, not coherent, then of course you might want to say, well, you can't really say that everything depends on everything else because you can't talk about everything, everything. Another way of getting a similar result is by going down the semantic contextualist route. A semantic contextualist would say that assertion of some things requires other things to be held fixed. So if you want to assert certain truth, you'll have to make certain assumptions uh, in order to get this kind of truth talk going. Uh, now, you can never make any true any assertions without uh, keeping such things fixed. So you will always have to have something that is out of the picture and uh, something that you won't be able to introduce into the whole picture. So again, in this case, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to regard the original theory as an ultimate truth because you'd still have to hold some things fixed that are not part of that ultimate theory. So what, what happens in this case is, of course, that you see the appearance of a, f a far more radical version of anti-realism. The anti-realism I looked at at the very beginning is an anti-realism about facts. So an anti-realist about facts can, of course, say, yeah, um, uh, um, there are no objectively existent facts, and that's an ultimate truth, whereas the, this version of anti-realism also has to say that um, there are no ultimately true theories, and that is an ultimate truth. Yeah. Or the other way around, um, uh, everything depends on everything else, and that, uh, that theory itself cannot be regarded as fundamentally or ultimately existent as a truth for, um, because either we have problems with quantification or we because we have problems of regarding something as uh, making true assertions without a background in some things that we don't hold fixed. And of course, you know, the, the, um, the idea that um, anti-realism about truth is something that might be behind certain Madhyamaka arguments, I think is a very interesting one. But if we want to push that further, of course, we need some more detailed systematic discussion on the question whether that is actually a coherent position. And uh, um, I think this, the, the, the matter is not obvious either way. So um, this is just to give you some of the ideas of the topics that I thought were interesting within the context of uh, seeing how contemporary Western philosophical discussions might uh, connect up with Madhyamaka topics. Of course, I don't know whether those are also questions that you uh, thought were, were most important when you thought of the theme of this conference, but I hope that as we, uh, as we discuss within the next uh, two days, we'll s at least see some interconnections between these various issues. Okay, so this is all from me, we, we can either, if, if you want to ask me anything on that, we can, we can do that now, otherwise we can just uh, pass on to our next speaker.